Happy long weekend. Canada Day festivities are underway and the biggest comedy festival in the world is coming to Montreal. We are all about just for laughs with some of the best comics headlining the festival. It's all happening right here, right now on Inside Jokes. Roll the intro. Welcome to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Perfect. Welcome to Inside Jokes. I am hosting this week. My name is Vince Tedesco. And as we mentioned off the top, it is festival season. And probably the biggest festival uh, in comedy is happening as it does every year. Uh, Right up the road in Montreal, one of the biggest shows happening is The Nasty Show. Joining me right now is one of those headliners on that show, Donnell Rawlings. Donnell, how are we doing? I'm doing good, but I want to ask you a question. Has anybody ever told you you look like Andrew Schultz? I do look like Andrew Schultz? No, that, that's an inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <Donna. laughs> nice. little augmented humor there. We were discussing the show. Yeah. Inside Jokes was created before Andrew Schultz's Inside Jokes, but we are in Canada. So <laughs> different country, different rules. You got to admit, uh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one, though. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I don't think he's a hell of a lot taller than I am. I'd have been yeah. a ball player. Andrew, uh, Andrew could shoot some hoops. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's, he's good on the hoops. He's good on the hoops. He's good on the, I saw him in uh, in March. He's coming back again for JFL Toronto. But JFL Montreal, where you will take the stage, the nasty show. Uh, it's a bit of an iconic show. I mean, yeah. not that you would ever be nervous about doing a show like that, but I mean... Everybody got to know and love you from, you know, the Chappelle show days and coming into now. I mean, how nasty are you prepared to get on that stage? Donna? Well, the thing is, the definition of nasty doesn't have to be vulgar. I think that that's a name that they use just to pretty much say unedited, off the cuff, you know, just people that are not afraid to speak their mind. And then, you know, with 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 cancel culture and everything, everybody's so sensitive about sensitive about comedy. I think that's a good show to say these guys are going to say whatever they want to say and do what they they want to do you know like my comedy it's not vulgar it's not like uh disgusting or anything like that Mm -hmm. i do challenge certain topics i go hard i'm unedited i don't subscribe to cancel culture and you're going to get an honest unfiltered real stand-up comic you know just because it's nasty show don't mean you got to go up there and fuck this and that dick and blah 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 blah. it's just i just think it's more for people that think outside the box and people that are edgy but I'm excited about it. That was like, that went for the day. I think two, two, two of the biggest shows has been New Faces and The Nasty Show, probably for the duration of the festival. So I'm excited to be a part of that show and to be headlining it. Well, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's that's that is the perfect answer because anybody who does come to the show, I mean, if leave leave all that stuff at the door. We don't need it in a in a comedy club. We're there to laugh. Uh, right. But for you coming up, diving into a bit of your career, as we mentioned, Chappelle's show. Um, you had some greats coming up there, and I want to know from your time that you spent there with you know, I mean, we're talking Dave Chappelle, obviously, Neil Brennan, then you got guys like Charlie Murphy, Paul Mooney, uh, um, um, what's his name, Greer Barnes was on that show, Boss Bill, Bill Burr was ben on Burr. it, and then on the writing style, uh, Brian Tucker, who had, who's had who's had an amazing career writing from SNL. Now, we had like an amazing team, and I always explain this to people, people like. You know, Dave, his name of his company is Pilot Boy Production. And the reason why he named it that, because he had like 11 pilots that, you know, he was slated, well, either did, didn't really make it to the network. But it wasn't until 
this Chappelle show, I think that it was everything. He got the right team together. Right. You know what I mean? And 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 Common Central let him for the most part do whatever he wanted to do. And that's when you could really see the the pure uh genius of Dave, of Neil, of Charlie, of myself, of of Bill Burr, of Patrice O'Neill was in player haters. Uh, Patrice O'Neill was in player haters ball, or uh, Rich Voss. But that show just just it was like these group of guys that were just ready to break, but they just had to come together like Voltron as this one <laughs> one thing and just and shock the world. And that's what we did for two and a half seasons. That's a good reference. My question, though, is with all that talent and now in your standing career, how much did you take or how much did you learn or what did you kind of bat off one another about how to make you a better stand-up now? Was there anything you kind of picked up from like Bill? I mean, you got a lot of stars that came out on yourself included. Anything you kind of take with you from those days? It's like, I know it was a sketch show, but I can kind of use this in stand-up. Or do you kind of take some experience now and kind of put that into more of the sketch? No, I didn't get now? that. I didn't get that from that. I didn't, I didn't really learn anything from the show that uh, like helped me be a better stand-up. In fact, a lot of um, uh, some sketches that were on the show were right. sketches that came out of my stand-up. Like ah. when, when Keeping It Real Goes Wrong, that was uh, a premise that I came up with, shared it with Neil Brennan. It was it was a it was a part of my show that already existed. But what I did, you know, when I worked on the set, like you know, working alongside of Dave, working alongside of uh, uh, Charlie Murphy, and these guys, every time. They said action. We went hard as if we was never going to see a camera again. The work ethics I got from that show helped me in other projects I did. But, you know, I'm a pretty dope stand-up myself. I'm pretty sure that all those guys watching me possibly learned some stuff, learned some stuff or got some knowledge from me and vice versa. Like we all had shared interests and everybody on that show was like I consider breakaway talent. At the time, Bill Burr was a comic that was probably – doing headlining, like maybe doing maybe 10 show, ten headlining shows a year, you know what I mean? Not making a lot of money, but whenever you saw Bill live, you saw him perform, you knew that this guy was going to be a star, and he turned out to do that. Now, for you, essentially, when you think of a bit that's kind of funny, where does your brain automatically go? Is this better suited for sketch? Do you think in that kind of format, or do you think in the long form, like, hey, I can kind of write this out and pull us into a five I don't really I, I never really think of anything as sketch but I know that my jokes have characters in them you know oh, when correct. I first started, okay, yeah. I had jokes that was like about childhood friends and my parents and I was like I came up with a sketch show years ago it was called a secret society and what happened was I had all these jokes I was like wait a minute I could act these out you know like me yeah. interacting someone that works at a Chinese restaurant, I could act that out. My And my group was a secret society. Basically, it was just a, a playbook. It was just basically my jokes uh, are three-dimensional. You know, right. so I've always been able to, uh, I've always been always looking to the next step. And even though you got a joke, I always look at my joke. It's like, what if I casted this person? What if this was a sketch situation? And I even took that to years ago. I haven't done it in a while. That if I find a song that I feel like I could do a parody of, <laughs> I would do it. And I have like a nice little history of different songs I made. And that kind of incorporated me being funny, comedic actor, music, and and sketch. 
That's that's awesome, man. I mean, the, the, the wide range of it all. I mean, and now even adding on top of that, you also got a podcast, the yeah. Donald Rollins show. Is that kind of like holy ground now that as soon as you become a stand-up or if you're in the stand-up game, you kind of need to offset it with a podcast? Because there's a million. No, not really. In fact, I was never, I never really was thought about doing podcasts. For one, I really uh, don't like asking comedians for favors. Can you do come on my show or anything? Right, right, right. And the thing that um, 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 inspired me to do it, uh, when I had my son, I was like, you know, the road wasn't as appealing to me as it was because I wanted to spend more time with my son. And I did a Joe Rogan show. And I was like, yo, I'm getting kind of like tired of the road. I want to get more time with my son. I said, I got to reintroduce myself to Hollywood. I need to make some money in Hollywood. And Joe was like, just start a podcast. I'm like, man, ain't no damn money in podcasts. Then I Googled his net worth. I was like, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to join the podcast world. <laughs> and that kind of, I was a little re uh, reluctant to do it. It's a lot of work to do in podcasts. You got to be on it. Like it's the consistencies that matter. I got up to like, I think about 70 episodes. I was really, really going hard with it during the pandemic because I didn't really have too much other things to do. Yeah, yeah. Pandemic let up and I started going on the road more and started making my regular money. I kind of like uh, didn't put as much time in. I haven't done it in like three or four, three or four months. But for some reason, it's a calling for me to come back because everywhere I go, people are like bring the podcast back, bring the podcast back. So I think within the next month or so, I want to kind of um, jump start it again and get it popping. Awesome. Here's Donna Rawlings. She will be in Montreal for the Nasty Show. More with him after the break. But the Nasty Show, July 18th to the 26th. Get your tickets now. Catch me in Montreal. More with Darnell right after the break on Inside Jokes. This is your boy, Donna Rollins, a.k.a. Ashley Larry, a.k.a. I'm rich. And you are listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. We're here with the one, the only Donnell Rawlings, who will be in Montreal for the nasty show July 8, uh, 18th, 26, Club Soda. Uh, that's a cool name for a little kind of a bar. It's a nice little gift that they have right. Club Soda. Right. <laughs> uh, I did that. I had a good time there when I did it the last time. Yeah, was, Montreal's a great town in July. Yeah, it is. You ever been in, in January? No, I don't I do not do that. I don't do those places in January. People are like, when are you going to... When are you going to go to Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, in the summer? <laughs> yeah. One thing about Montreal, they don't salt the roads. They use uh, they use dirt. Instead oh, of God, that's hilarious. So the snow still stays on the, on the pavement, but there's uh, a little more traction. Right. I, that's awesome. Yeah. I took an on-ramp onto the highway. I felt like it was a luge. It just snow yeah. everywhere around <laughs> me. But anyways, come July, the, snow, the, the streets will be fine. You'll be there for the nasty show. Uh, a couple of things we were diving into. I mean, obviously, people know you from Chappelle, the Darnell Rowling show, as we discussed the podcast show. But for you, as a stand-up comic, I mean, who are some of your biggest influences kind of growing up? Well, um, I really enjoyed uh, how our, our, our raw and honest um, uh, Richard Pryor was Yeah, watching him. But, you know, one of my favorite comics, um, and if I could say my style is similar to anybody, it's the late, great Robin Harris. Robin Harris was a great storyteller. He he was a guy that could do a stock joke. He could do crowd work. He could roast. And he was one of those likable guys. He was like, reminds you of you know, everybody. You go to your family reunions and stuff. Mm. Usually people have a story that everybody remembers. And everybody in the family knows the story. But you only want one person to tell that story. 
<laughs> and that's one of the things that I really enjoyed about uh, Robin Harris. But I never really thought of doing stand-up when I was growing up. Everything just happened by chance. So I never had anybody I really looked like, I want to be like that person. There was people that I enjoyed watching, but I never was like, I'm going to be that guy or compare myself. You know, my comedy career started on a dare from being a heckler in an audience to the club owner wanting me to shut up. So they challenged me. I used to go to this comedy club um, just with some coworkers of mine just for fun. And I used to heckle the comedians and I got so good at heckling. People started to come to the show hoping <laughs> that the asshole guy was going to be there. And the club owner had to figure out a way to shut me up. So he challenged me to go on stage 30 years later, never looked back. And get, that was probably the, that was the the push that I needed to, to, to get into this. Well, that's an awesome story, man. That was right in Washington. Yeah. This was in, um, in, in the DC area. It was at a comedy club called the Comedy Connection of Graham Belt, but in the whole metropolitan of DC. Yep. Right. And you just went up and you just started giving it to comics. Any of those comics kind of remember you now to this day? Oh, they, a lot of them I, I passed in my career. A lot of them, I mean, I used to destroy them so much. They would come up to me and like, yo, don't mess with me. I'm working on these jokes, blah, 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 blah. And then it's like a lot of those guys, you know, they saw me come up as a young comic. And I came through the ranks super, super fast. I think I was doing it for six months and I got invited to do Deaf Comedy Jam. And again, so the, the first time I ever touched the mic, I knew that this was all I wanted to do. I wasn't going to give myself a plan B and I was going to put everything in to make it work. Never got another job to offset what I did. If I was broke, I was broke. <laughs> if I was making money, I was making money. And I tell people in this business, like, what if you got any advice? I was like, in this business, if first off, you got to be able to be happy being broke. If yep. you can't be happy broke, then you're going to be in trouble because it takes a while before you get to the point. At least when I started, it took a while before you got to the point where it was good money. But now with the help of social media and all these platforms, like guys are getting to the money. They're not getting to the skill as fast, but they get into the money faster than anything. That was kind of where I was wanting to go next, talking about yeah. all of this kind of people are skyrocketing kind of I'm not kind of jumping over steps or hurdles to get to where they need to get to. And they think they're at a place where, yeah, hey, you're making money. But are you a stand up comic? Does what you do online transition to how you can do it on stage? But see, here's the thing. That, and I had an argument with this girl years ago. She said, I'm a comedian. I was like, well, send me uh, some of your, your your stuff. She said, oh, I, it's on YouTube. And she was talking about these uh, like internet skits and stuff, right? I was like, that's not a stand, that's not a comedian. She was like, yes, it is. I was like, no, it's not. But then I we looked at the actual definition of a comedian. Mm-hmm. And it's one who entertains an audience through laughter. So the the, the, the the definition of it has changed. When I started, when you heard comedian, you just assumed it was a stand-up. Correct. But now everybody thinks just because you do a skit that it's it, it, it makes you a comedian. I'm not an old head that gets mad of the opportunities that exist for these kids or whatever. But me being a purist to stand-up, I wish that, you know, this, you know, with these guys, they would, as much as you got your followers and your likes and everything, me as a person that loves what this art form is, I would appreciate if some of these guys put more work into being good. I was with a comic the other day and I over him and said, you know, I looked at my uh, algorithms, my group studied my algorithms, and I'm like the second popular comic 
on the internet or something like that. And I was like, but that doesn't make you funny. It makes you popular. Don't make you funny. And there's a fine line between it. Uh, that you, you, you nailed it. I mean, the definition of stand-up comic has, well, the definition of comic has changed throughout the years. Even when improv became a thing and groups like Second City or um, what's that one? Now? Growlings out in L.A. I mean, right. yes, there are comics and, and that is an art form. But is it stand-up? No. But are they on a stage and they are making an audience laugh? Of course. So now you have to add content creators on that same yeah. platform because yes, they have an audience. Sometimes it's millions of people, but it's right. through. I mean, the cell phone is pretty much a place of television these days. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's seeing everything on their cell. So it's the algorithm and how much attraction you can get that's going to, you know, boost your ratings if we're talking about like TV days on right. whatever content you produce. Um, right. For you, what is some of the best advice you've ever gotten in this in this industry? Some of the um, uh, um, but, well, I don't know if it's best by best advice, but it just was a jewel and it kind of represents what we do. A good friend of mine, fat doctor, he passed away some years ago. One of my mentors, he said, Donnell, um, you know, we do our job is a tough job. Sometimes we go through stuff emotionally, whatever he said, but. The whole thing is that we always got to do our job. He said, when you go on stage, whatever problems or where you have, you leave it on, you leave them on the side of the stage and you perform. But you have to realize once you get off the stage, you're going to, you got to pick up where you left off and you got to deal with real life. And my good friend, Dave Chappelle once told me, he said, Donnell, and this is really like the importance of my job. He said, it is our job as comedians to make fun of the things that are troubling the world, you know? Mm-hmm. Those are just some jewels that a couple of guys that I respected have told have told me. But you know, my my career has always been like it's always been like years of, you know, I watch somebody, I see how they um, navigate on the business side, I see how they navigate their personal life and everything. And I take all those things and try to create the best version of myself. Well, that's awesome to hear, brother. You will be in Montreal July 18th through the 26th as a part of the Nasty Show, headlining that iconic staple on the Just for Laughs Festival. They're celebrating 41 years uh, in doing this. Uh, I can't wait to see you there. I'll be in Montreal. Definitely coming to catch the show. But, Donnell, thank you for your time today. Where can we kind of find you online? Kind of Donnell Rollins. Donnell Rollins. Donnell Rollins. D-O-N-N-E-L-L. Rawlings, R-A-W-L-I-N-G-S. I mean, it's not hard to find me. If TMZ can find me in the alley, everybody can find me. <laughs> yeah, you got some pretty good interviews. But the one thing I like about your social media is we discussed, yeah, you got into fly fishing over this past couple of years, right? Yeah, yeah. What was it say? You're not fly, but you're fishing? What was <laughs> I was fly fishing. I say I was fishing. I didn't catch too much, but I felt fly wearing those waders and everything. But, you know, I think fishing, people are like, what you catch? What you catch? And it's not, I don't think it's important as what you catch is the vibe and how you felt, you know, riding through the woods, getting to the lake, you know what I'm saying? Just getting into that peace of absorbing nature. I think that's the beauty of fishing. That's the beauty of being around good people. And that's the beauty of nature. And I love it. That's awesome, brother. Uh, just for us this year, July 18th to the 26th, The Nasty Show. Here's Darnell Rollins. Catch him if you're in Montreal. Thank you for your time today, brother. I gotta end by saying, I'm rich, bitch! <laughs> awesome, Dino. We'll see you All in the right. Hello, this is Steph Tolev, and you're listening to Inside Jokes. Welcome back to Inside Jokes. Thank you very much to the one, the only Donnell Rawlings, who will be a part of the Nasty Show 
happening in Montreal, July 18th to the 26th. But being that it is Canada Day, Canada Day Long Weekend, I could not leave this episode without having a fellow Canuck on the show, if you will. An OG to the show, to the city. She left for bigger and greener and brighter and gayer and more uh, Silicon Valley pastures. But she's back with us now. Thank you to the one and only Steph Toller make a, a return appearance on Inside Jokes. I can't oh. believe it. It's been years. It has been a minute, as the kids say. How the hell has it been going? Amazing. Turns out when you uh when you when you leave Canada and you go to America, things happen. I hate to break it to you. I, w- I wish that wasn't the uh state we're in, but it is. Yeah, lots of uh, kind of unfold this interview because there's a million ways we could take this conversation. I love Canada. I'm not, I just want to start by saying it is Canada Day. I love Canada. I wish I still live there, but you know. Yeah, we we, we all get it. Some people don't, but now let's kind of start off with that. The big move was made when? Year. Eight years. Eight years. Eight years. And it's a struggle as every working comic is a struggle. First question I want to ask, why LA over New York? Uh, Because I want to be an actress. I was way more heavily focused on comedic acting than I was stand-up. But then when I came out here, I just started focusing way more on stand-up. And now the acting stuff is slowly picking up. Okay. Yeah. If if, if any comics are listening, I'd recommend if you want to do stand-up, go to New York. There's way more clubs. There's way more shows. It's way easier to get around. Because I moved out here with no car. So I was biking around to shows. And it was not a biking city like Toronto. It's not like that. No. Not at all. It's quite God bad. Bless you. Don't God care bless about you. you. So the move to LA eight years ago, you get into the stand-up scene, kind of want to develop into acting. Uh, your agent was still Canadian or American at the time? Canadian at the time. I no longer have Canadian agents. I'm just with American agents now. Yeah. I got uh, agents. I got a manager. It's a whole thing. Yeah. You're blown up. I mean, you're everywhere. You're all over social media. The podcast is doing well. But um, when was that first sort of, hey, this this is happening. When when did that break? When did that moment hit you? Uh, I think probably when I first did Bill Burr's uh, The Ringers on Comedy Central. Okay. That was like, he didn't pick me for that. The uh, producer at the time did because I had done an acting thing with him. So that kind of was like, that got me going someplace. And then the pandemic hit. And then I was like, oh, great. My, my big one credit that I finally got in America is now <laughs> nobody cares. So then I just, I luckily turned heavily to social media during the pandemic and just started pumping out content like almost every day. It was crazy. Uh, And then going back into the pandemic, I was still kind of doing that. And then um, Bill Burr saw one of my clips on Instagram. And I guess he'd like forgotten me from that show because I also over the pandemic, I got a mullet. So I like, I look different. I dress a bit differently now. And we're like only rompers on stage now. So anyways, he saw this video of me making fun of New Yorkers. And he like reposted it. And I was like, what the hell? And then he DM me and he's like, do you want to open for me in the road? And I was like, am I being pranked right now? And then that's it. Then he put me on his Netflix special on, on Bill Burr's Friends Who Kill. And then from that point on, like, that's it now. Now all these clubs that like didn't want to headline me in America before <laughs> the clubs in Canada still aren't really headlining me. Uh, no, I'm kidding. They just don't like paying normal amounts of money. Um, it's bizarre. What's I don't know. I what's hear going. I hear, no, I understand Look, I, because again, I, I want to be there. I need to make this clear. Every Canadian that is in America wants to be in Canada. We miss Canada. We miss the free healthcare. We miss how clean the city is. How like safe it is there. But it's like 
Anyways, I'm not going to go on that rant again, but um, yeah. No, was- hey, this is the platform. To, hey, this is the, the mission statement of this show is we support Canadian comics no matter what side of the board they're on. Well, here's here's what's funny. What? Just for laughs this year, I'm doing my, uh, I'm doing the, a keynote speech about my point of view. And I'm like, you really, you really no, want, no, you really want me to do that? <laughs> What day is it? I'm coming. So I'm you, oh, I'm telling people to come because I'm like, I, I, I'm going to be nice, as yeah, nice as I can, but it's like I, I need I need Canadians to realize that you're not supporting us the way we need to be supported, and it's very upsetting. A hundred, I, I stand by that statement. A hundred percent. If it wasn't for Bill Burr, and I, I support Steph Toll up a hundred percent. Yeah, you're, you're you're right, sister. I mean, yeah, there's no way a star system will ever develop in here, and I think we're oversaturized with American content, over-Americanized when mm-hmm. it comes to entertainment. So the first person people compare us to is somebody in America. Yeah. Uh, we had Andrew Barr on just last week who said, uh, oh my God, you know, you do the small towns, you do the clubs, you, you you tour, you know, Saskatchewan, Edmonton. Oh, I had the greatest night of my life. I saw the greatest comedy show ever down at the Legion. It was so good. It was awesome. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, I love stand-up comedy. Who did you see? I can't remember. Or who it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who. Yeah. I don't know the name yeah. was. It's very upsetting. But yeah, anyways, long story short, Bill Burr put me on the Netflix special, and then I started like touring a lot. And um, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the Bill Burr push is a big push for anybody. I mean, that's kind of a hmm. staple. I was just talking to Donna Rawlings. They both started up with Chappelle's show, so Bill Burr's yeah. getting a lot of credit on this episode. Uh, but from that, I mean, from there, all of a sudden you're catapulted into this sort of next level tier of comics, mm-hmm. and Granted, every Canadian comic or a lot of the ones that we obviously associate with are just as funny or as funnier than the American ones, but all of a sudden you have that label and now you're looked upon differently. Now, the home club in LA is the store, the comedy store. Would you say that? I mean, yeah, yeah. The comedy store and the improv. um, Yeah, I got passed at the comedy store before the Bill Burr thing, which makes me feel good because I still kind of got that on my own. But I'd like to make this clear too. I'm the first... Canadian female comedian to be passed at the comedy store in like 30 years. And it's a very big deal for me because both clubs in Toronto would not headline me and said, I said verbatim, you're not good. So it it was a very, it was really emotional for me to get my name on that wall. And it like, you know, I guess the message I'm trying to tell people is that like, even if people tell you your shit over and over, yeah, you can still push through that and still, you know, follow your dreams. Cause I was told several times that I would never be booked in these clubs. And I still, <laughs> still not booked at these Toronto clubs, but I would never would do them anyways now. But I, um, it, it felt, it felt incredible to be passed, especially the Canadian. Like there's not a lot of Canadians on that wall. There really isn't. No, I mean, and for those of the people who don't know what we're talking about, the comedy store is an iconic club in LA on Sunset. Uh, everyone goes there. If you want to catch some of the best headliners in comedy and essentially the marquee and the entire outline of that entire building is laced in signatures yes of every community who graced that stage mm-hmm. headliners everyone and do you remember the date when it happened i remember everyone talking i about think it, it was time. like oh just over a year ago i believe because i got passed right after christmas last year not this year before and then yeah so the names went on like a bit later after that but i remember it was like i went and i had some friends come and i just like I was like kind of crying all day. It was just really, it, it really, and then every time I drive in, so my name's yeah. like out where you drive in. So every time I drive in, I just, I look over, like I was there last night. I'm there like four times a week. Every show is packed. Like I'm on stage with like last week alone. It was like 
Uh, who was on? Eliza Schlesinger, Whitney mm-hmm. Cummings, me, Mark Marin, Neil Brennan, Brad Williams. Like it's crazy. Like that's the, those are the lineups every night, and then my stupid head in there, and it's it feels <laughs> it feels incredible. It really does. So wow, it's almost a year ago that you got your name on that wall. Mm-hmm. What a vindication that must have been just for everything. Oh. I mean, very it's, proud for you, really but uh, uh, proud for like, yeah, look, look what you can do when, when you kick ass and, and take names and, and do what you did down there. Yeah, um, follow your dreams. Follow and, uh, your dream, yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it does come with a lot of legwork. Now, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. Of course. I mean, but you, you, you were good when you were here and it just took that extra push down there. So how much has everything sort of changed since that moment? Is, do you see life in like rose colored glasses now or no? No, 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 no. I'm still, I'm still yeah. living in my two bedroom apartment in, in East Hollywood, not a nice area. Uh, I'm just, I'm really, I'm just super booked now. So I'm on the, I'm on the road pretty much every weekend. The life of a touring comic, but I mean, it's yeah. different than touring Canada. You're, you're like in Sioux Falls, South Dakota or something, right? Like, no, I'm not. I think I have one. Days. I think I have two Canadian dates this, this whole year. Well, well one of them is Jericho. <laughs> yes. And then I have a big show. I'm doing the Danforth Music Hall on December 14th, which is a very big deal for me because the first time I did it, I opened up for Rob Delaney when I was 27 years old. And I opened up and I killed 1200 seat theater. I remember I went off stage and I started crying. My sister started crying. And she's like, one day this is going to be you. One day you're going to be headlining. And I'm like, you're right. And then now that it's coming together, it's like a really, it's really nostalgic for me. So if you're in Toronto, please come to the show. It's the tickets are selling pretty fast. So yeah. you better get them now because I'm not doing two shows. Is what I'm saying. All right, lot to dive into. More with Steph Toller after the break. She'll be a part of the nasty show, July 18th to the 26th in La Belle Provence for Just for Laughs. More with Steph Toller after the break. Hey, this is Richard Lett. You're listening. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, this is Alex Wood, and you're listening to Inside Jokes on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. I'm Vince Tedesco. We are back on Inside Jokes here for The Nasty Show, coming at Just for Laughs this summer, July 18th to the 26th. One of the headlining acts on that show, the one, the only, our girl, Steph Tolan. Steph, how's it going to feel to be back in Montreal in this sort of capacity? It's good. I've never, I I think the last time I did the festival was like maybe six years ago. Um, it was a while ago and, uh, I've never done the nasty show. And I, and I've always kind of been like, why have I done a nasty show? I feel like I'm, I feel like I've been nasty my whole career. Um, yeah, so I'm that's very, for sure. <laughs> I've never not been nasty. So this, I'm very excited also to spend like two weeks in Montreal. I love Montreal. It's one of my favorite, uh, Canadian cities, no offense to the rest of them, but yeah, I love yeah. old Montreal. I love hiking up that mountain. There's like pools everywhere. Everybody's hot. A lot of cute boys in Montreal. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, I I miss the city. I'm also doing two solo shows at the yeah, festival. I was going to ask you, one of them was yeah. called uh, Filth Queen. Filth Queen. So I'm I'm really keeping the whole nasty theme here. <laughs> and then I have a live podcast recording as well. So I'm I'm really pumped. I'm doing a lot this year at the festival. And I'm really excited to be showcasing and being like a you know a Canadian act that you know is doing a lot of stuff. Okay, so here's a question now. So now the, the, the stand-up's going well, everything's going booked. Is part of the kit that you get when, like, you know, you're 
now are touring stand-up is you get the mic, you get the shows, you get everything. Now you got to do a podcast. It's like everybody who's on stage has got the kit. They're like, hey, now well, you got to do a podcast. So it just comes with the territory. No, I mean. Yeah, uh, the, I mean. I Steph Infection. Yeah, Steph Infection is the podcast. Love the name. Love the name. And, yeah, well, because I like, again, I'm gross. And I, I always have like a weird body issue. So this podcast started for me, like literally, like I have something right now. Uh, I'm I I've been, I've been covered in hives. I actually have some right now every single day, every day. And they say it's from the vaccine, which look, I'm not getting into any of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving out where that is. Yeah. But I, I, every single day I break out in head to toe hives. Doesn't matter what I take. Doesn't matter what medication I take. There's no medication for it every day. I'm like literally head to toe. Sometimes it gets so bad. I had to go to the hospital because my throat closes. So it's I'm dealing with that. So I'm like, and I know. A lot of comics have, I don't just interview comics. I interview porn stars. Their episodes are the best behind the scenes. Porn star stuff is amazing. And mm-hmm. I interview wrestlers and like actors, like anybody who wants to talk about like everybody has a body issue. Everyone, you know, has broken something. They have some weird disease. Like it's, it's not making fun of anyone's ailments. No, it's, it's just yeah. like discussing them and, and being open about it, being like, I have this. And like a lot of people relate to the podcast because they like, they call in with their stories and it's, it's a whole, it's Yeah. Now, in no way you're giving medical advice to anyone, or are you? No, no, not really medical <laughs> advice. But I'm like, people are people are realizing they have some of this stuff because, like, I have something also called polymorphic sun eruption, which is a, a rare condition that the sun like blisters your skin, ouch, and and scars you. For, of course, I'm like, I live in Los and Angeles. Really yeah, <laughs> but um, but it's great. Like, big names are doing my podcast. Like Adam Ray did it, Brad Williams, uh, Bill Burr just did my podcast last week, so that'll be coming out soon. Hey. So big, yeah, big people are doing my pod. It, it feels pretty cool, and I'm doing a live one actually at Just for Laughs. Uh, I'm doing a live recording, so I'm gonna try to get some big wigs. I'm gonna try to bug some big guys that are gonna be out there to do it. Can't wait to see it now. Um, when you're in that sort of circle of friends now with some of the bigger knowns, uh, you know, comics or kind of, do you ever bounce material? Like how, how much of camaraderie is there, especially in the LA scene, because it's very cutthroat, especially when it comes, you know, acting and acting gigs. But as for stand-up comedy, how much is that? Like how much is like, hey, can I run this by you? Tell me what you think, or do you keep that to maybe the pod? I don't know. You want to try out new stuff on the pod? A I mean, lot of I don't do really. That. I don't think a lot of comics do that unless they're like doing a special and they want someone to punch up their jokes. Okay. If a comic ever gives me uh, like a tag, I'll like, I'll try it or like whatever, but no one does that that often. No one does it that often. eh? I don't think so. No, I mean, mean, not to me, they don't. Well, okay. I I just, something when you kind of come around people who kind of tend to do podcasting, especially when you're with other comics and you're riffing on something and you think, Oh, I got a bit here. There's something here. Let me chip it in a bit more. But then the other comics like, yeah, but I'm working on the same bit. Like, no, I don't think that happens a lot. Who owns that now? I, no, I don't know who. I know. I think we're all. I think once you're just riffing about whatever, no one's like, "That's my joke." I think maybe when you first start doing comedy, people act like that. But now it's like you just. It's just. It's weird because I. I don't get like fans struck when I see people. The yeah, only person I mean, I've ever been like starstruck to the mind of them. Well, I just like I. I when I see like I, the only people I've ever been starstruck by is a mm. Canadian rock duo, Death from Above, nineteen seventy nine. They're my favorite band. And I met them and they got me backstage passes and I was like, like a weirdo. Like I was insane. But like when I meet, like when I met Burr the first time, I was like, hello, how are you? Like when I meet big comedians, I'm just like, hello, nice to meet you. Like I don't. And and not ever did like materials ever change way and like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this or hey. No. I mean, you opened him for, you opened for his Toronto show, correct? Yes. Also, my company experience? is very, how was that? Yeah. Insane. The craziest show of my entire life. Yeah, when I walked was... out onto 19,000 people, two nights in a row, when I walked down on the stage, I like, 
It was really, it was really nice because a lot of my friends came too. So my sketch partner, Allison Hogg, who I've done Lady Stash with for years, right. she came and she said that when I walked out, like she was so far back, but when I walked out, she started bawling her eyes out, and people around her was like, "What is wrong with this woman?" <laughs> just seeing me come out and someone to start weeping, they were like, "What is happening?" Yeah. But it was really my my dad and my sister came to the first show and they both cried when I went on stage, and then yeah, it was really it was really sweet. My dad thanked Bill like five times. He's like, thank you for doing this. And Bill's like, what are you talking about? Thank her. And then it was it was insane. Well, of, of course. I, like, I mean, we interviewed uh, Nima Nans. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. He, he had the same sort of experience when he opened for us as well. Any, yeah. any words Bill gave to you before the show or no? And he's sorry. Yeah, no, he just, he just said, have fun. Yeah. He's, so, he's so cool and chill. He was just like, and he watched both my sets, just stood there and watched me, which was very distracting. Like, I'm like, I'm looking out at a sea of heads and then I just see Bill looking at me backstage, and that made me more nervous than any of the other people for some reason. And I tried uh, doing crowd work. I'm like, I can't do crowd work in front of 19,000 people. Like, what am I doing right now? That's a bit tough. I could understand. Yeah, I'm like, look at this guy. I'm like, no one can see this guy. I even called it out. I'm like, I can't do this. No. Okay. Okay. Forget that. Let's let's get back to the kind of the nuts and bolts of this. And and it's a kind of five questions that have kind of uh, I try to get into the minds of everybody. But starting off with you, biggest comedy influence in your life. Uh, young, old, even now. But... I, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. You might think this is a joke, Mr. Bean. Really? I watched so much Mr. Bean growing up, like the physicality stuff. I think I got a lot from him. I I, I watched a lot. Wow. And Kids in the Hall. It'd be it's a toss up between those Kids two. Hall, I can see Mr. Yeah. Bean surprised me. I like that. Okay, best advice you ever got from somebody in this industry? Um, Sarah Silverman. What did she say? I was talking to her about uh, getting trolled. And uh, she Being was trolled online. Oh, I get trolled nonstop. My my inbox. I had to disable my comments on TikTok because if you saw the stuff, you everyone asks if I'm trans, what bathroom I use, what is that thing. It's like really, there's a, there's a whole hate for trans people out there, which I I don't even know. I can't even uh, begin to think of what people who are trans are going through. It's disgusting. I don't know what is wrong oh. with people. Who cares what anybody else has? What yeah. anyone's not so insane to me. Anyway, Sarah Silverman was getting trolled by this person, and and and. Uh, She's like, this is what you have to realize when people are doing this to you, that they're they're in a bad place. They're not well, and they're doing this to seek help. And she literally ended up helping this person and paid for their therapy. And now they're like good friends. And like after they had been like coming after her for like months, saying horrendous stuff to her. So she's just like, you have to remember that these people aren't well and that they're just doing this. They're acting out in a way. And it, it, it did, did kind of help me. I mean, I still get trolled. But, okay, I can understand. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. If you weren't a comedian, what would you be doing? If it if it flopped in LA, what the hell? Where would Steph be right now? I'd probably be in the woods breeding golden retrievers. <laughs> I swear to God, I'd be far, far away from social media, tucked away by a lake in Canada with a bunch of golden retrievers. That would be my life. Uh, biggest collaboration you want to do? Somebody you want to work with? Director, actor, comic? Somebody you want to collab with that you haven't yet? Anybody on your huh. list? I mean, I don't, I've never really thought about that. I mean, uh, you know, I'd say Sebastian Maniscalco. Really? I really like, I watched the set last night. He makes me laugh so hard. I think we'd be a funny, like, daughter, dad, buddy cop situation. Yeah. Well, different schools of thinking, too. But in a way, you're kind of like, you're, you're still old school, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And we're still, like, we're both very physical. And, like, we lean into our voices and our physicality a lot. <laughs> so I think it'd just be a funny, it'd be funny slapstick comedy. Um, when the day comes and we're going to close the book on the career, the life that is Steph Tolev, what's the autobiography or the biography 
what like what what's it called? What's the book called? Steph Tolev. Oh, Steph Tolev fucking did it. <laughs> oh my god. She, she fucking, fucking did it. it. Yeah. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. I like that. That that's mm-hmm. uh, a nice little stamp on the career of Steph yeah. Tolev. Yeah. Um, Montreal this summer. You're gonna be kicking ass and taking names, part of the nasty show. Uh filthy, uh was it it was uh filth queen. queen, not filthy mm-hmm. queen, filth queen, and uh Steph Infection Podcast. Yeah, three chances to see Steph uh live and on stage, and then catch a podcast, uh Steph Infection. Steph, thanks so much, man. Thanks uh, for having me. I can't wait to see you when I'm there. I'll be there uh that last week when the whole hustle and bustle mm-hmm. kicks in. We'll yep. catch up, we'll have a drink, but thanks so much for your time. Catch her out, Just for Laughs. Nasty show, July 18th to the 26th. We'll end it off with a clip from Steph Tolem with a one and only stand-up bit from JFL. Uh, thanks again uh, for your Thank time. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'm Vince Sesco. That's it for our Canada Day episode. Thank you again to Donna Wallings and Steph Tolem who will be a part of the Nasty Show. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to our girl, Katya technical producing this show for quite some time. She is off to Armenia. Why? We don't know. But she's uh, a journalist in the making, and she got stuck with our show. Uh, Katya, we wish you the best. Uh, Love you, girl. Keep kicking ass. Uh, That's our show this week. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. We're still covering JFL, and if you missed anything online, find us on the Global News Radio Network. Uh, We'll see you next week. Thanks for now. This week's Comedy Rx is Steph Tolev. Here's a little tippity-top for single people. If you go to Toronto, uh, do not go on a first date to Ripley's Aquarium. I'll tell you why. There's, there's this fun thing you can do where you can get on a scale and weigh yourself and see how much you'll be worth as a tuna. <laughs> this is real. This is a real thing. 100% real. I don't know why. That was a really fun game to play on a first date, but I did. So, Buddy Boy hops on the scale first. I date very intelligent men, Buddy Boy's his real name. Hops on the scale and he's like, $450 worth of tuna. I'm like, I'm gonna be 100, maybe. I'm very different on dates. So I saunter my European shoulders over to the scale. Hop on. $2,000 worth of tuna. No one wants to fuck $2,000 worth of tuna. This week's Comedy Rx is Steph Tolev. Here's a little tippity-top for single people. If you go to Toronto, uh, do not go on a first date to Ripley's Aquarium. I'll tell you why. There's, there's this fun thing you can do where you can get on a scale and weigh yourself and see how much you'll be worth as a tuna. <laughs> this is real. This is a real thing. 100% real. I don't know why. That was a really fun game to play on a first date, but I did. So, Buddy Boy hops on the scale first. I date very intelligent men, Buddy Boy's his real name. Hops on the scale and he's like, $450 worth of tuna. I'm like, I'm gonna be 100, maybe. I'm very different on dates. 
So I saunter my European shoulders over to the scale. Hop on. $2,000 worth of tuna. No one wants to fuck $2,000 worth of tuna. 